0: Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Wadhwani Viewpoint podcast. My name is Manali Shah, and today we have with us someone very special, someone whose association with the Wadhwani Foundation goes back many, many years. Ajay pv is the founder of a successful startup, and he's an alumnus of the National Entrepreneurship Network, a flagship initiative by the Vajvani Foundation. We have with us Ajay today, who has been the founder of Scapic, an award-winning AR startup which was acquired by Flipkart in 2020. And that led to the birth of Flipkart Camera. Uh, Flipkart Camera has enabled 3D and augmented reality experiences within the Flipkart app with over 300 million visits. It's now one of the world's largest deployments of such a kind in a commerce platform. Ajay, welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking the time out.
1: Thanks, Manali. Pleasure to be here. It's always uh, very nostalgic to be a part of Vadwani uh, Foundation and any events. So happy to share my thoughts today.
0: Thank you. And I hear that you're a new dad. You have a one-month-old daughter. How's, how's the experience been?
1: It's it's new. I'm discovering new things every day. It's a lot of Google search and trying to figure out why, why what is happening. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, one of the most fulfilling and... Uh, content i've felt ever in my life so it's not the first time i've been a dad though i have a pet dog he's an english golden retriever called google so it's it's no less than having a child Uh, but yeah it's it's very different to have be a human father uh, you know a father to human baby and uh, yeah go through the go through the you know the the new learnings that i'm going through every day it's it's you know i'd rather say it's easy to Start, run, build, and sell a startup. Then probably raising a kid. <laughs> and it's just one. It's been just one month, so <laughs> it's pretty, pretty excited for the adventurous ride ahead.
0: Wonderful, and I, I couldn't help but notice that you have named your golden retriever Google. Why is that? How did the name come about?
1: That was my wife. Actually, we were just looking for some uh, names, something which is funny, and uh, she just thought we will name him Google. I think there is one. Uh, uh, a Tamil movie where the dog name is Google, so she picked it up from there.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so today's conversation is going to be all about startups and funding early stage startups. Ajay is also a mentor and an investor. He's invested in a number of startups, especially in the 3D web chain and AI technology space. So Ajay, uh, before we get down to business, uh, would you like to talk a little bit about Flipkart Camera and what it does and the larger Flipkart Labs team that you are now leading?
1: Absolutely. Flipkart Camera was born out of the Skapik acquisition. Uh, Sai and I co-founded an AR startup called Skapik in 2017. Uh, Went through the entire journey of uh, building, pivoting and then finally finding the product market fit with e-commerce as part of Skapik uh i think it, it made sense for us to partner with flipkart and get acquired around november 2020 is when that happened uh for primarily two reasons one the technology is still a little nascent and it's it's it, you know building a deep tech company from india uh, uh is hard and uh, it's harder when 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 you probably you know are living we, we started when 2017-18 uh, when the funding landscape was very different compared to what it has just been in the last one or two years as well. So I think the in the domain and the industry itself would take some more time to mature. And uh, without partnering with a big company like Flipkart, we will be able to induce the new customer behavior, new customer modes, uh, comparatively easily because Flipkart is one of the largest uh, 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 e-commerce players in India. With say more than 150 million active users and uh, the capital the Flipkart has and the kind of other ecosystem support from brands and sellers that we get uh, we can just focus on technology and trying to bring it to life rather than trying to create a market which is which is not fully existing so that led to the scapic acquisition then leading to the birth of flipkart camera as a platform so flipkart camera today is one of the world's largest deployment of 3d and augmented reality in a commerce platform Uh, we have 3d and ar experiences deployed across multiple categories like furniture large appliances like refrigerator tvs Uh, footwear, electronics, mobile phones, uh, and even categories like beauty where you can try the product on yourself before you buy. The thesis hypothesis is very simple, especially post-pandemic and this is true pre-pandemic as well but post-pandemic especially, there's a new breed of online customers that have come. People like me who never used to purchase a very high value product like furniture or a television or refrigerator are now buying those products online. True. People are probably post-pandemic buying their first ever e-commerce product for the first time after that. Now we are talking of new you know, consumers who are pretty much used to buying in an offline environment now, trying to buy that first time online. And we are talking about the same old 2D grid that we are offering to uh, e-commerce users for the last 10 years now. It's the same product page with different images, the cost, the description. This is not something an, a usual offline consumer would relate to. So what Flipkart camera does is try to bridge the offline and online shopping experience by providing immersive shopping experiences through 3D and augmented reality. What if you could view the furniture exactly how it would look as if it is in front of you in your showroom through your mobile camera in your house. You tap on your mobile camera, open the camera, tap on it. The furniture is right in front of you through augmented reality. You can go closer to it. You can go around it, see how it looks. You can put the TV on your wall and see how it looks before you buy. You can try beauty products in yourself. You can try the footwear on your feet. So a lot of personalization, size and fit and immersive experiences is what Flipkart camera does. Um, this is, this is I think, one of the most innovative bets that Flipkart has taken in the last few years. Flipkart is known for innovation. It has seeded uh, you know industry first Concepts like cash-on delivery, big billion day, and all of that. Now right. with 3D and AR and camera, we're pushing that uh, boundary as well. So Flipkart Labs, I think, was recently set up and launched with a similar mindset to seed more innovative, futuristic, disruptive, moonshot projects from Flipkart, like Camera. The camera is one of the projects at Flipkart Labs. Now Labs has picked up another focus area this year, more to look into blockchain, NFTs, Web3, Metaverse. I mean, these are buzzwords that all of us must have heard. It was hard for Flipkart to resist, to not get a, uh, you know, <laughs> feet in the water there and start taking some early pilots. So we've gone to focus on that. And in future, there'll be more, you know, futuristic and uh, disruptive projects that'll be seeded from Flipkart Labs. So imagine Flipkart Labs to be that, you know, that, that moonshot factory within uh, Flipkart, which will seed very futuristic and disruptive frontier technology innovations within Flipkart.
0: That's incredible to know and uh, i think it's it's incredibly innovative and kudos to you for launching something like that in india so uh, let's talk about uh, startups and early stage funding we've seen the startup ecosystem grow tremendously over the last couple of years especially new startups are coming out not only out of metro cities like Mumbai, Delhi, and Bangalore, but also tier two cities and smaller towns. So that's great to see the the sheer number of startups and the innovation that startups are bringing to the Indian ecosystem. What are some of the trends that you've uh, observed in early stage funding right now?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I have to say that I've gone through probably two generations of early stage funding in the just last three years. Because when we we raised the seed round of funding in 2017 the indian seed funding landscape was very different compared to how it has completely changed i would say very exponentially in the last couple of years itself um so a, a quick one about how it was before before we get into what i feel the latest trends are because i continue to you know participate in uh, as angels and other early stage rounds invest and advise startups so uh, although i i have not raised seed round of funding in the last one or two years i've seen and mentored a lot of startups who have done it so pretty aware of the industry right uh, and so happy to see because uh manali today it's it's it gives me a feel of how the west was you know a couple of decades back there are a lot of uh, uh bold bets that the vcs are willing to take now they're not playing the safe game uh, right. uh, emerging technologies and deep tech startups are given a lot of uh uh encouragement early in the days which is otherwise i think two three years back as i told you it was not very vividly the case, or at right? the four or five years back when we raised the funding, right? Um, India is a primarily consumer-driven market, and any company which is, of course, tech-driven, but more focused on consumers is what I think used to rake in a lot of funding. But a pure technology enabler is not something that used to get a lot of encouragement. Very sure. glad to see that landscape changing now. And the one of the uh, trends that I see definitely these days is, the I wouldn't say the bar has gone low. I think sometimes people misinterpret that. Oh, the bar for funding is gone low. I think the bar is still high. The opportunities, the kind of uh, uh, you know the uh, uh, funding vehicles that are available, the maturity with the ecosystem and the VC investor community, the risk appetite in itself is all something that has changed. The bar is still there. I think it's not easy to raise funds. It's very hard, you know, seeing all the funding news, people sometimes misinterpret that, oh, I can just have an idea and go raise funds. I think, you know, the the Shark Tank and all of them have, I think, given a lot of uh, glamour and hype appeal to what startups can do. But all of them do have to go through the long uh, grind before they raise the funding. Just that opportunities are wider, the risk appetite is higher, and the maturity in terms of investing in understanding the space is much higher today. For example, if you see 2021 itself, I was baffled to know it's more than 35, 36 billion dollars of funding raised by Indian startups in just one year. And a, a sizable number of those deals, uh, you know, in terms of uh, 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 absolute number around 396 deals in 2021 were for seed stage investments, which right. aggregates to say around 700 million plus dollars, right? which means that, you know, India is now opening up and waking up to what West used to do before, which is to give a lot of support at the early stage. And breed a lot of startups which have not probably hit revenue. They're still in pre-revenue. They're still idea stage. And that is that is the biggest trend I see changing, especially in 2021-2022, where uh, the seed stage investment has has grown multifold. And uh, the opportunities that exist for them is, is available much more than what it was four or five years back.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Ajay. The number of deals has definitely gone up but it doesn't mean that it's easy to get funding uh, and that anyone can just do it. So uh, this leads me to my next question. What are some of the essentials or fundamentals that startup founders need to keep in mind to get seed funding for early-stage startups?
1: Got it, yeah. No, I think this this part, I don't think has much changed between five years back to now, and that's what I was telling, the bar is probably still high. Um, It's just that uh, if you had to struggle Eight months, nine months to probably knock doors and then find that one VC who has understanding of deep tech and who has understanding of early stage risk appetite. Now it's probably reduced by, say, four or five months. I mean, that's probably the only difference. What is required by a company or or the founding founders is probably still the same. I believe, and I've learned it through my personal experience, uh, which I didn't know when I was raising funds, but I didn't understand how uh, uh, early stage investors think about it. A lot of emphasis. Is given to the team and the founders and not much to the idea or the way they're solving it because in an early stage the companies are just such a early you know in a young stage and very early stages of their cycle that it's impossible almost to predict what would be that billion dollar idea at that stage the company will have to definitely go through multiple you know pivots they'll have to adapt themselves to market condition they'll have to Tweak some product. Some companies go through a complete overhaul of the product before before they hit a product market fit. You know, product market fit is when you know you've got probably an annual recurring revenue and you have a good traction. You have customer base, and that's when you probably raise Series A round of funding. At a seed stage, you don't have product market fit, and investors are very cognizant of the fact that it will take company a couple of loops to, before they get to that. So the bet is mostly on the people and the team to be able to adapt to this dynamic nature of early stage companies based on market condition, based on internal condition, based on vision changing, technological changes. Based on all of that, it's the ability of the founders and the team to steer the company towards the next stage.
0: Right. And that's right.
1: what I feel is very essential for a company today. Uh, the founders you know, need to be very, very uh, uh, aligned with what, what they're doing and how the VCs look into it and my my couple of advice to founders also is don't don't take every investor's feedback or every early stage investor's feedback very personally or try to change your product because of it because every early stage investment they have a thesis the thesis is built upon domain uh, the ticket size the uh, uh maturity of founders the team and all of that right geography etc so they have a thesis now if you don't fit the thesis that's that's absolutely all right. You move to another investor who probably will fit your thesis. Trying to change your entire product because they gave a feedback because the feedback is not on you, actually, the feedback is on their thesis that you know that you don't fit the thesis, but that's absolutely fine. So I think uh coming back to the what is most essential, I think it's it's a good founding team, you know, mm-hmm. and the bet of the founders. Now, the founders need to be now. If you have done something in the past, right, I think then it's very, very easy to raise. You would have seen. Uh, people who have built, uh, sold companies uh, or taken it to IPO and then quit, it's very easy for them to raise funding after that because the credibility is there. But if you're starting up for the first time, then okay. I think you will have to bring that up in your early pitches on what makes you credible, right? It could be some early uh, uh, investments you've done or part time uh, uh, entrepreneurial stints you've taken, or basically a pedigree that you've built upon based on some credibility in your corporate jobs or other things. The The second part is, of course, you know the problem and the solution or domain in itself uh, you have to understand that if i think for people to understand what what do i need to have they need to step back and first understand how investing works itself you know you give a part of equity or share in your company in return for somebody investing money and how does that person make the money only if you make future rounds of funding right uh, early stage investors they don't stick on till your ipo stage or acquisition stage they usually uh, 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 get down the bus either at a series A, B, or worst case at a C stage, which means their only intention is the company should raise the next two, three rounds of funding. And that's probably 95% of what they look. Yes, of course, they will also look, can you, can you go towards IPO? Can you be in a billion dollar company? Can you go towards acquisition? But most early stage investors don't stay till there. So their money is, you know, made back, ROI is made back in just two, three more rounds of funding. So if it is a business that needs to be investable, you need to convince and bring that domain and the problem statement and what solution you're offering in a manner which convinces the early stage investors that, okay, this is a long pole, right? It requires multiple stages of funding. And it is not something where I take $500,000 and then I am absolutely bootstrapped after that. I don't need to raise funding at all. In that case, then it's, uh, you can still, I mean, uh, go raise seed round of funding, but it's not very glamorous to early stage investors because they need to wait till probably your IPO stage to get the money back, right? So you need to right. ensure that your company is investable and fund worthy and uh, as i told the problem statement that you're trying to solve and how you're trying to solve the problem very important on you know and that and also the domain in which you're solving because depending on the domain you're solving it could be health tech retail uh, 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 AI, ML, uh, or a b2b SaaS solution depending on that there are different profiles of investor that you need to be talking to as well the third and last i would say is uh, it's not mandatory i mean these days probably It's not becoming very mandatory, but nothing like having it because it's not just about raising funding because early stage investment is probably where you tend to lose a lot of equity and control of the company as well and undervalue it unnecessarily. So if you want to regain certain terms of the deal, it's not just about raising money, but raising it at good terms for the founders, keeping future in mind, then you probably, it's good if you have some early POCs, some revenues coming in. It may not be a full grown product revenue, but you have done some services which is hybrid of product and services, some early validation of you deploying your product with somebody else and then making some revenues. Worst case, having some letter of intents at least so that you know that, hey, okay. I am not going to experiment and start my journey after I raise money from you. I have certain uh, uh, groundwork done already. And once I take money from you, I will be able to deploy them. So that gives a lot of comfort to the early stage investors, which increases your chances of raising seed uh, seed stage funding And most importantly, it will help you negotiate better terms with the seed stage investor.
0: That's super helpful. So let's say that uh, a young startup founder has the team in place, has the business plan in place. Now, how should they go about creating a pitch deck that is investable and attractive to early stage investors?
1: I think that founders will find a thousand articles online on how to you know seed stage, I mean, why Combinator keeps sharing a lot of seeds into these days, I think it's become a, a fancy thing to share uh, this, the deck which raised a million dollars seed round and all of that. So I'm sure I think uh, there are many references that you can find. I think what I can at least clarify is the myth, uh, which might exist is there is a specific template in which you need to do absolutely not when we raised funding there was no template that we followed like business plan opportunity uh, you know swot analysis competition and all of that although there were parts of it somewhere and maybe in appendix i think you need to be a good storyteller right at the end of the day as an early stage uh, founder a founder who is trying to raise early stage for funding you need to be a good storyteller right and in a medium like ours which was more augmented reality and virtual reality which is a lot more of imagination It was, we felt, you know, it is our duty to take our potential investors on a, on a dreamland, on a journey of, you know, virtual reality and then convey our product pitch through that. We couldn't make it boring because it kind of comes out in the DNA that how will I build a creative AR VR company if my deck is, you know, like a corporate slide with the 10 templates. So, and that absolutely worked. In fact, that was, that was one of our pitches went so well that although. A lot of blue chip funds felt that we are at a very early stage. Everybody had one common comment that this is so beautiful. You guys are amazing storytellers. You have probably the best pitch deck and you have, are probably, you know, trying to solve the right way just that you're too early for us. And that's why blue chip, you know, investors never invested in us at early stage. And they don't also, right? Blue chip, it's too early for These days, of course, you have separate funds and vehicles set up by blue chip funds just to focus on early stage. But we are talking about five years back when that probably majority didn't exist. So. I just want to, I think, clarify that. I hope that's clear to everyone that you don't need a specific template, right? It's about you asking for money in exchange of equity in a company and convincing that person that you are going to make 3x, 4x out of this in the next few years. And creativity is totally up to you on how you want to convince it. But of course, there are standard 90% of the times things that work, which a VC would look forward to as well, which I'll just probably list and uh, tell, right? Uh, these, these again, these are not fully mandatory. That it needs to be in the same order, or all of it needs to be there. Feel free to, I think, edit based on how you want to do your tell your story. But I think uh, there are certain things I have felt based on. I've done probably hundred plus pitches uh, as part of a seed rage and then Series A, which we didn't didn't end up taking, and then instead got acquired. Uh, and what I think is something that essentially is required as part of your storytelling. One is, I think, a clear articulation of problem statement and how you are solving it. I think this is 25% of your entire pitch. Sometimes I've seen invest founders pitching to VCs and at the end of one hour, 45 minute pitch, the, there's no still clarity on what problem you're trying to solve and how are you trying to solve it. So very clear articulation of problem statement and how you're trying to solve. And in addition to it, what is your USP, right? It's not just, you know, okay, traffic is a problem in Bangalore, here's how I'm gonna solve it. I mean that everybody could solve, be solving it as well. What is that makes you and your product stand out? And what is that uniquely differentiating your product? That's something that again needs to be called out. Uh, you need to have a clear vision, as I told, it's a lot about the ability of the founder to be able to take it till the logical end and being able to navigate all uncertainties that exist as part of startup venture building. So I think you need to have a clear vision and it's okay, nobody will hold you uh, on record for it that, oh, you, your vision was this and now you're changing it. But you need to have a clear vision that these are the assumptions. And if the landscape, the uh, environment, the market, the team, the technology plays this way, then this is how the vision of the company is and this is how I'll build a $1 billion company. It's very important you have that. It's absolutely fine whether you end up changing it later, but you should have that vision that in a controlled environment, this is how I'm going to build the company towards a logical conclusion a uh, few things like you know standard uh, slides like a uh, competition because i think sometimes founders think that oh, putting competition means i am inviting myself a uh, competition you know it will it be a negative thing for investors absolutely not in fact if you think that you're the only one doing something and nobody else is doing in the entire world 90% chances you will not get invested because vcs don't want to take such a risk they want to play a uh, 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 a game where, you know, there are two, three players, there are four, five players. Right. And two similar companies being pitted against each, both raising massive venture capital, uh, uh, which, which which is also caught, right? Uh, sorry, Manali, am I, am I audible? Okay, there was some- Yeah, networking. I could hear.
0: Yeah, it's fine, it's fine.
1: Okay, so I think having competition slide is absolutely fine. In fact, you should be transparent and openly call out in your domain who are the other competitors, but also call out what makes you different. If there's no difference between you and them, then there's no point of raising fund. But maybe it could be that, you know, they are in US geography, I'm mean in an India geography, that's absolutely fine. But call out what you're differentiating from the, how you're differentiating from the competition. Opportunity, because VCs again, as I said, you know, so... Uh, how big the opportunity is, how big the market the TAM, SAM, addressable market, the serviceable addressable market, which gives a kind of indication to an investor that, okay, this person, you know, the founder has done their homework to understand it's a big enough opportunity. And the value that the startup can take out of the entire opportunity is also high enough. And that's what makes their eye pop that, okay, it's a big enough opportunity for me to not let go of. Uh, then the team, of course, as I told, Early stage investments is mostly about the team, you know, if the team is right, you can absolutely change your idea and build still a unicorn without, you know, having to fret about it. But if you have a bad team, then even it's a billion dollar idea on day one, you will not be able to value it at even $10 million if you don't have the right team. So founder, good found couple of founders or one founder or three founders, whatever it is, the good founding team um, along with the founders core team uh, is what I think is very essential and you should call that out on why, how you have built that rock solid core team as well uh, business plan sometimes people think that you know it's not necessary for me to put a business plan you're right i think there is no practicality if you raise the first 500000 dollars a million dollars because the business plan you put on how the expenses and revenues will come 80% won't work out that way right it's all going to change and trust me vcs no know, know about it as well investors know about this as well the intention is not to put something which they will match every month on month and say why are you deviating the intention is to see what is what is your thought process currently if you were to deploy this fund they agree that it is dynamic they understand that it's going to change but it cannot be a blank slate at which you can start with after you raise the fund they want to know how would you deploy the fund and how frugal you are how smart you are because a base understanding of finances is essential although you are a tech founder to make a company successful. And you have seen a lot of companies not succeeding because a base financial knowledge of founder is probably weak. So it's just to understand, you know, do you understand PNL? Do you understand EBITDA? Do you understand uh, gross versus net revenues? Do you understand a monthly burn? Do you understand recurring revenues and the, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what is the runway that a startup will have? You know, that's something that as a founder, you need to know because if you're just focusing on building the product and not even aware of the runway, many chance, there are chances you'll hit a dead end and you don't have enough funds in the company, you're not prepared enough to raise the next rounds. So it's good to put a proper business plan which calls out how you will deploy these funds and what is the runway that you have, say, 12 months, 18 months, and what will you do with these funds, right? I think that's important. Broadly, this is what I would feel, uh, uh, Manali, is good enough. As I told you, yeah. this coupled with your uniqueness of bringing the story out is is, is going to probably hopefully land you a a check at a seed stage you can of course add additional slides like a swot analysis risk mitigation and all of it my suggestion is keep it to the point short right. so i have all of these slides in appendix and depending on investors to investor depending on fund to fund there are different questions and fo- focus areas right. they have and you can always bring that up as an appendix whenever you want to
0: right i hope all the young founders that are tuning in are taking notes so you need to have the right team, the right uh, product and the business plan and the deck as Ajay just shared. So lastly, say you have all that in place. How and where do young founders approach private investors for seed funding?
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, we didn't know that. I didn't know how to approach seed. Because this is the first time I was reading a seed stage funding back in 2017, uh, I'll tell you how we went about it, and probably there are at least seven, eight other opportunities that exist in India today. In terms of opportunity, these are broad uh, uh, domain—you know, pockets of opportunity—and each of them has hundreds and two hundreds of opportunities within them as well. What we did ideally is um, we had appointed a banker, and you wouldn't hear somebody appointing a banker at a seed stage, but we had an early-stage banker who were starting their journey as a, a investment banking. And uh, they said, you know, they had good connections with funds. And uh, they said, hey, we will help you raise funds. So we had a banker who actually helped us connect with potential investors, angel investors and VCs included, and we used them to raise the funding. So that is one way. But of course, these days, 99%, nobody goes to an investment banker. And investment bankers also don't prefer to uh, invest their time in a early stage funding because the time it takes to raise a seed stage funding of $500,000 to $1 million Say, probably from getting the first pitch deck to landing the entire money in your bank, it takes eight months to one year. It's probably the same for a series A, B, C startups as well. The ROI that the banking firm gets is probably one tenth of what you get in a higher deal. So the investment bankers also don't prefer it these days, but that's how we went about it. I'll tell you, I think there are seven to eight uh, uh, ways in which I would say the opportunities are available. And early stage founders should probably try all of it or majority of it in parallel because you never know what will land. The first and simple and foremost is if I think before you even know where to approach, you need to understand what is the amount you're raising. Typical values that you raise in a seed stage would be say around $500,000 or now it has gone even a million dollars is not considered. um, I mean, it's considered as an average seed rate of funding. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are companies who raise $2 million, $5 million seed round of funding, but they are very rare startups either the founders have two three you know, serial entrepreneurs or it's such a massive idea that you know the vcs are putting big weight into it otherwise the usual deal say that i've come across is five hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars now if you want something lesser than that just hundred thousand dollars etc there is the friends and family round that you can do which is you know before the seed it's called as pre-seed or you know like a bootstrapping kind of investment so you can raise 30 40 say maximum hundred thousand dollars within your friends and family itself and that can be at a very simple terms or the terms can be put uh, you know uh, postponed till the time you raise an actual round of funding as well but it's not co- uncommon to see friends and family participating in your seed round of funding as well. When you stitch a seed round of, exactly. fund of 500 to $1 million, you want to probably invite your friends and family as well. Either directly or most usually as I told, they would have raised $100,000 $100, from friends and family. And then they let them participate in the same round because they wouldn't have negotiated any terms and all that for just $100,000. Uh, Angels is definitely one other important uh, uh, channel for you to raise early stage funding. Angel investors in India have grown a lot. You know, as startups have grown, startup founders have grown, they have made a lot of wealth. And every founder, including me, would believe in giving back to the society and believe, and also monetary, we believe that the biggest ROI that you can get out of all financial instruments in the market today is probably, you know, startups. It's not just monetary, as I told, it's also something that gives us uh, personal satisfaction as well. So you would see a lot of founders setting up angel funds of their own they in, in their individual capacity, most of the CDC and above startup founders today invest as angel investors. So they are probably just an email away or one LinkedIn connection away. So I think it's easy for you to find them, uh, which I think you should do uh, to get an angel round of funding. Now there are angel syndicates as well, like Angel List and uh, uh, Kickstarter and Indian Angel Network. And there are a lot of angel syndications where you don't have to go to every angel you get one stop access, one platform, which exposes, you know, multiple angels to well. So angels are a very easy way for you to attract fund, which, which combines with crowd crowdsourcing or crowdfunding that I told as well. Uh, and that's what angel lists and other platforms do. They crowdfund kind of from different angel investors and let you give a uh, raise funding as a platform. Uh, the other one is accelerators and incubators. It's grown right. a lot today. Uh, a lot of funds have accelerators There are only dedicated accelerators. Government bodies have incubators, corporate companies have accelerator set up. Depending on the domain you have, I think a lot of these corporate companies, like real estate, e commerce, Flipkart, has an accelerator. Every big company out there has an accelerator, right? So, accelerator is a great way for you to not just raise the early stage of funding, it gives you a lot of business access and a a platform for product worthiness in the first place as well if you early stage how do you deploy it funding is you have to get potential clients agreement get a poc done which is what an accelerator will help you do right if it's a corporate accelerator but a lot of other accelerators not just give you money they give you certain skills that you need as a founder as well probably you're struggling in hiring the accelerator helps you get people your you need mentorship and how to prepare a go-to-market strategy because as a tech founder you're not too much aware of marketing and 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 you know growth uh, hack uh, that you want to do for your GTM plan, that is something they can help with. So accelerators serve as a great way for first time entrepreneurs to just raise money, but also get these additional benefits as well. Um, as I told corporate strategic funds exist as well, which you can dip into. Uh, the last of course is the VCs and going with the bankers or directly approaching VCs as well. As I told a lot of blue chip funds today have dedicated a small 50 million, hundred million dollar funds dedicated early stage investments with a ticket size of 502 million and i know personally itself i think easily 30 40 percent of uh, uh, early stage funds have come in the last three four years right so a lot of investors have or uh, venture capital uh, vc uh, fund managers have started funds of 50 million 100 million dollar checks uh, you know size only to focus on early stage investments they don't invest in series a b and c unless of course it's a follow-on investment but this is something that was not there much five years before, right? There are dedicated funds who only do early stage investments. You approach them. It can be either a blue chip fund setting that, but I know at least of 40 funds who do only early stage investments and that's about it, right? So I think it's easy for uh, you to go get access to them and you know they understand early stage risk and stage and all of that. So it's easy for you to get across them as well. The last is I think fellow founders. I mean, uh, uh, founders, one way, the founders itself can invest as angels. But if you know founders have raised funds, that's the easiest way for you to reach out to any investor or other angel funds, etc. Because more than a banker putting a word to an investor, because there's a commercial interest there, a fellow founder among their portfolio recommending a startup has a huge value. For example, if I were to go back to my investors and refer a company, they would probably treat it with highest priority compared to organic deals they get from their funnel. So tap into your network, see if you know first degree, second degree, any founders have raised funds. They'll be very glad to put you in touch with investors and, you know, recommend and also give you some, you know, free pro bono advisory on changing your pitch deck and certain things that are reasoned as well. So it's pretty exhaustive and I know that it's, it's easier said than done, but I've gone through it so I can definitely vouch for it that from when I was raising seed of funding years back to now, the opportunities are much higher. The channels that I told you are much wider. And the access to these channels are much easier. So with, with some bit of effort, I think you should definitely be able to land a few meetings and what happens beyond a meeting is of course, we have spoken the last 30 minutes on how do you convert your meeting to a check, but to land a meeting, I think enough opportunities are available to be in India. And I'll be uh, surprised if somebody says we have tried for eight months and we have not even got one meeting with a potential angel or investor, because then you have not tried at all.
0: Wow. That's super helpful very very practical advice i'm sure the young founders who are tuning in will find it extremely beneficial and it's been amazing to see your journey from being a college uh, student a young entrepreneur as part of the national entrepreneurship network by the Vajbani foundation to now a successful founder investor and mentor thank you once again for dedicating your time to this podcast and helping out fellow founders in the ecosystem thank you very much
1: absolutely a lot left to be done manali i think uh uh the 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 journey is endless i think i'm learning every day and continuing to probably build upon what i've done uh so yeah i think all the best to all the potential founders out there who are uh, supercharged with a crazy idea that's going to probably change the world so don't don't let anybody or anything uh discourage you or let you down if you believe in an idea you're passionate about it you're here to run a marathon and not a sprint I think go ahead, raise the funding or, uh, or get access to funds in different ways, and go bring bring your vision to life. So very excited to see how the Indian startup uh, ecosystem will continue to grow from here. And uh, kudos to you, I think Vadwani and Nen as well for for being a part of making this happen. Yeah, I think there's a, there are a lot of other factors that have contributed to Indian startup ecosystem growing. But if if you ask me, I think a lot of uh uh uh. uh acceleration and uh, uh, thrust was given by any and you know it's been doing for the last 12 years and from my personal capacity as well i wouldn't probably be an entrepreneur if any and had not come to my college 12 years back because i've would have done my master's in us and probably settled there so thank you for for continuing to strive to build the startup and entrepreneurial ecosystem in india
0: That's heartening to hear. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's tuned into this episode. Stay tuned for more insightful chats. My name is Manali Shah and I'll see you in the next one.